Good afternoon. This is the Dr. Zeus podcast. Today, we're going to continue our study of film. We're going to build from the classics and go right into the 21st century from 2000 to now. 20 years of unnecessary blockbusters, indie films, romantic comedies, dramas, documentaries, and movies like Get Out, where you're like, oh my God. God. It's going to be fun. I promise you, as always, films on the Dr. Zeus podcast. Stay tuned. Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus podcast. Today I was going to talk about films in the 21st century, but tonight we're going to honor the memory of Chadwick Boseman who played Black Panther. The movie Black Panther forever changed the game of Marvel and superhero movies. And all for the better. So tonight, a moment of silence for Chadwick Boseman, who will forever be Black Panther. Wakanda forever, an icon. He played Jackie Robinson. And so tonight... We're going to continue talking about the 21st century in film and that pivotal moment in 2016 when he made his debut in Captain America Civil War as Black Panther. Stay tuned. Good afternoon and welcome to the Dr. Zeus podcast. Yesterday we talked about the classic films and why it's imperative for you to revisit them. Or if you've never visited them before. Yes, movies made in 1990 are now considered classic because that was 30 years ago. I should know because I was nine years old. So, the 2000s, or as I like to call it, too many blockbusters. Blockbusters are good, though, if you have that date night. If you've got the kids and they're like, I want to see something fun, they're, they're obviously going to want to go see Transformers. Transformers was made for children, not for adults. If, it, if you feel that you are a 13-year-old at heart, then go right ahead. You know, Michael Bay is your hero. But to those of us, and, you know, Maybe we could call ourselves film snobs. Michael Bay is about as a director as Walmart gets. If you catch my drift, okay? He is the Walmart director. The family fun entertainment ruining your childhood one movie at a time. You know, and and I did enjoy The Rock. Not with Dwayne Rock Johnson, but with Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage. But that was from the 90s. The 90s when it was a little less blockbustery, you know? Remember Blockbuster video? Yeah. I'm probably one of the few people who actually watched Jurassic Park 2 and laughed through the entire thing because I thought it was so cheesy. A dinosaur in San Diego, of all places. Not Mexico, but San Diego. Or when he takes that guy and bites him and the water of the waterfall turns Kool-Aid red. Yes, that's what I was thinking then. And I'm still thinking it now. 
the 2000s blockbusters. You know, Elizabeth Taylor said it first when she announced the winner. Gladiator. Yes. I've seen bits and pieces of Gladiator. It won Russell Crowe his only Academy Award for Best Actor. He beat out Tom Hanks. Okay? In Castaway. Tom Hanks, who mainly ad-libbed a lot of Castaway. Two-time Academy Award winner. This would have been his third. Didn't happen. I know a lot of people were hoping Tom Hanks would actually get it for Castaway. Castaway is a, it's a sad movie. It's an adventure. I wouldn't call it a blockbuster because 2000 was filled with many, many blockbusters. One of my favorites though, and you know, some film, film snobs would turn their nose at me is of course, Gone in 60 Seconds. Great cast, Angelina Jolie, um, Robert Duvall, Nicholas Cage, to name a few. Um, Scott Kahn, Jimmy Kahn's son, who was on Hawaii Five O, the remake. So you have all these different actors, and and it turned out to be a really good movie. Even Master P is in it. Um, the Ninth Doctor from Doctor Who, Christopher Eggleston, he plays the villain in Gone in Sixty Seconds. So here we are, the 2000s. And then, of course, you got to throw your Oscar. You know, I mean, you've got Javier Bardem and Before Night Falls, which is very interesting. Johnny Depp is, well, there's two versions of Johnny Depp dressed up as a guard and then dressed up as a, a man pretending to be a woman. I don't know. You had Pollock, Ed Harris, Marsha Gay Harden. He's play- Ed Harris was playing Jackson Pollock. It was hard for me to follow. But, you know, it was interesting. Throw a little Patty Smith in there. She's talking about Jackson Pollock. Okay, I get what you're talking. Jackson, Jack the Dripper. Makes sense. 2000s, okay. What else? I mean, you know, of course, a rom-com queen, Julia Roberts and Heron Brockovich. You know, a real-life story. And then there was one of my favorites, Chocolat, which was, you know, a French tale. And you've got Judy Dench and Juliette Binoche, who took the Oscar from Lauren Bacall in 97. I know. I know. Trust me, I've got info on all of them. You know, and the 2000s were interesting. I mean, because, you know, in 2001, we got Moulin Rouge, Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, where Angelina continues her lead actress status, even though she only won an Oscar for a supporting role in Girl Interrupted. That's the problem with that Best Supporting Actress Oscar, is that immediately they thrust you into the lead actress category of movies. Now, if she had won a Best Actress, it would have been different. But that, you know, she was a, best, she was a lead actress in a supporting role. In Girl Interrupted. I know. Keep up with me, people. The 2000s were interesting. You know, you had Minority Report. Okay? You had Signs. This was when Joaquin Phoenix was doing fun films. But then, in 2019, he did The Joker. Not only was it fun and interesting to watch, he won an Academy Award for it. You know, these movies... It's, it's interesting. I mean, the fact that they brought Bad Boys back in a sequel, I liked the first Bad Boys when I was 
15. Um, and that's the appeal of the Michael Bay movies. Did I like the Transformers movies? Not really. At first, I thought, oh, it's Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. They're trying to thrust him into that lead man status. But he's barely old enough to drink, okay? He's not Bogart, but he thinks he is. He's got the attitude, a lot of swagger. He fucked up his hand. I think it was during the production of the second or third one. Megan Fox, or as I like to call her, um, your gas station version of Angelina Jolie. Because it didn't work. All that plastic surgery, honey. But I know. See, that's where I get a little um, throat spilling the tea, but you're here for films. But that's part of the films. If Hedda, if Hedda Hopper were alive today, she would be calling everyone out. Everyone. And she did back in her day. But Hedda is long dead. And you've got the Dr. Zeus podcast. And it's Friday and I'm animated and it's good. The 2000s. Now, yes, I'm going to pick on Michael Bay. And here's why. Michael Bay, as I said at the beginning, is reserved for 13-year-olds. Not if you're 33, not if you're 43. It may be cute. You're going to let go and watch an action-packed movie. Now, I am admittedly a film snob at times. And I say that because in 2008, well, in 2007 it came out, There Will Be Blood was released. I went and saw it with my cousin. I thought it was fabulous. I love Daniel Day-Lewis. I love Paul Thomas Anderson. Or PT, as many of you call him. You know, the director of Boogie Nights, Magnolia, okay? He would later direct The Master and Phantom Thread. Daniel Day-Lewis. I went to see it a second time with my brother and his friend who thought, oh, there will be blood. It's probably about boxing. But I didn't say anything. I just coasted along thinking, okay. They hated the movie. They were pissed at me for taking them to the movie. And I said, hey, you're the ones who drove. You're the ones who paid. But I I enjoyed it. Here they're both fast asleep and I'm watching There Will Be Blood and just grinning ear to ear. Okay, my brother said, I don't care how many Academy Awards it's nominated for. It's crap. He still stands by this to this day. But I will say one thing if he's listening, and he probably is. I think now that you have kids, you may see it in a different light. Because there's a, there's a, a child in There Will Be Blood. You know, he inherits this baby, okay, this little boy from one of his workers, so it's interesting. So I'm just suggesting maybe you should revisit. Of course, No Country for Old Men won Best Picture of 2008. Okay. You know, the Cohen brothers. The Cohen brothers are synonymous, you know, with these great, dark, edgy films. They even remade True Grit, you know. But Jeff, um, um, Jeff Bridges had already won the Oscar the previous year for um, Crazy Heart, where he played a country singer. Just like Robert Duvall, he won the Academy Award. Jeff, Jeff, uh, you know, it's sad that now his name escapes me. So, it's such an icon, you know, from the big Lebowski 
to True Grit. The fact that he's playing the John Wayne role and got nominated for it. Of course, you got movies like uh, Black Swan thrown into the mix, which scared the crap out of me. It was like, okay. And then Natalie Porton, she beat out someone like Annette Bening. Poor Annette Bening has always been a bridesmaid, never a bride at the Oscars. Loses out to Natalie Portman's psychotic little portrayal in Black Swan. Black Swan was good, but it was like, eh. And of course, Batman himself. We're going to get to him. Christian Bale in The Fighter. Christian Bale is probably one for me. Christian Bale... Um, Adam West and um, Michael Keaton are probably the three best Batmans, okay? But for me, it's all about Christian Bale. In 2005, Christopher Nolan, Memento, the director, decides he's going to tackle the Dark Knight, but it's going to be an origin story. 2005, Christian Bale plays Batman, the Dark Knight. Successful. We've restarted something. 2008, the Dark Knight. And you have um, Heath Ledger, who had just died, playing the Joker to epic proportions. So much so that he won an Oscar for it. Was it the death vote? I don't know. He did something that James Dean um, couldn't do. Although he was not a matinee idol like James Dean. You know, there's there's similarities. But the fact, the way he played the Joker. He played the Joker with a little bit of Alex DeLarge from A Clockwork Orange. With a voice that has been tattered along the lines of Tom Waits, singer-songwriter. You know, he was sardonic. He was psychotic. He matched perfectly with The Dark Knight. It became one of the biggest films of 2008. And then we have Christian Bale playing The Dark Knight for the final time in 2012. The Dark Knight Rises. And then you have another great actor, Tom... I almost said Tom Waits. (laughs) You know, it's, uh, it's still early for me. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy playing Bane. This big, gigantic... Nobody thought about me before I put on the mask. If I take that off, will you die? No, it will be extremely painful. And then, you know, that moment where he's like... What's your next move? Crashing this plane with no survivors. I know. I try. I try. I loved him in in, uh, Venom. We're going to get to that. The Marvel films, Marvel Universe. You know, Batman is DC. And yes, after Christian Bale, sadly, Ben Affleck, or I'm sorry, Matt Damon, decides to play Batman. Thankfully, he's gone. I guess they have now passed it on to the vampire himself. Yes. From... I almost said true blood. (laughs) You know, here's the thing. I enjoyed him in The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse came out last year. That was a psychological thriller. You know, you have William Defoe, who is always good. They both should have been nominated for it. And of course, I'm talking about Robert Pattinson, 
who is gad he's gonna play batman now scary scary let's see what happens some people like the trailer but the trailer is often misleading okay michael bay is crying again because he didn't get to direct it but when it comes to batman you don't give it to michael bay you steer clear and so now we come upon Marvel, the Marvel Universe. The Marvel Universe, which basically, I have, a, you know, a moment of silence here. Because this is exciting. This is one of the biggest comebacks in history. You know, you think of these great fighters, they, get, they, they fall down and then they get back up. But this was a moment... An actor that we have known, loved, and worried about since the beginning. He'd been acting since he was a little kid in his father's films. I don't know if he was in Putney Swoop, but maybe. He made his debut in one of his father's films playing a dog in a dog pound. And he said very famously, got any hair on your balls? In the 80s, we knew him for films such as um, well, he was on SNL. He was also in, I don't think he was in Stripes. He was in Less Than Zero. And then in 1992, Sir Richard Attenborough put him in the title role as Charlie Chaplin. You know who I'm talking about, and I'm talking about Robert Downey Jr. And the, and the history of the Marvel Universe began with that comeback. Robert Downey Jr. had been written off. He'd been given so many chances, and each time he fell back into the plague of drugs, of addiction. And then in 2003, 2004, he got clean and he got sober. He orchestrated a comeback. He got involved with Susan, now Downey, his wife, who helped him orchestrate this big comeback. And then in 2007, John Favreau cast him against the wishes of the studio in the title role of Iron Man. And we'll be right back after these messages to discuss the comeback of Robert Downey Jr. and the Marvel Universe, one of the biggest franchises of the 21st century. Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus podcast. We left off on the career of Robert Downey Jr. as he made the biggest comeback in the Iron Man films and the Avengers. He will be forever synonymous with playing Iron Man, the series that basically rebuilt his career, rebuilt his image, that so many who remember him in the 90s to those who don't even, weren't even born in the 90s and don't know about the troubles that he had. Talk about the greatest final act in history. The Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man. Robert Downey Jr. began the Marvel series with Iron Man and ended it with Avengers Endgame in such a pivotal way where he just looked at the villain and said, I am Iron Man. That's all you need to know. I'm not going to ruin it for you if you still haven't watched 
Avengers Endgame. A truly game changer of the 21st century. Those movies, the Marvel Universe is forever within our consciousness. And sadly, today, someone from Marvel is gone. And that is Chadwick Boseman, who played Chichala, the Black Panther, in the Black Panther movie. A true game changer, not just in Marvel, but in movies, that a black superhero. It almost happened with Spawn, which is such a good movie. And here we go, 2016. The Black Panther character makes his debut in Captain America Civil War. He then has his own movie in 2018, Black Panther. It was a true game changer. It made Chadwick Boseman an icon of epic proportions. We can't stress the memory that he's going to leave. And it is truly sad. And I am truly heartbroken that he isn't going to get to do the second Black Panther movie. Just think of what he achieved in this short time. And his lasting legacy is the Marvel Universe. He played Jackie Robinson in the movie 42. And then Black Panther. I should know there were people in my family for Halloween last year who dressed up like Black Panther. It is truly a moment that white, black, brown, Asian, Hispanic kids can all dress up as the Black Panther. And that's the legacy that Chadwick Boseman is going to leave behind. Is a Marvel Universe. An inclusive universe for everybody of all races, creeds, colors, and genders. That's the beauty of the Marvel Universe, created by Stan Lee. You think of that icon, Stan Lee, all of these movies within the 21st century. From 2008 to 2019, the Marvel Universe, you you can't touch it. And we're going to dive more into it. But first and foremost, I want to say something about Chadwick Boseman. You truly, Chadwick Boseman, will forever be an icon. The Black Panther movie really was. I remember watching it and thinking, this is a game changer. This is a moment. This is a moment that has been brewing for a long time. And it's finally seen the light of day. It made history. It truly made history for all the right reasons. It taught us. Diversity is here. It's here to stay. Wakanda forever. The integrity of that character, Chichala. The love of that movie. The way he played it. There was no guns. There was no weapons. It was just him as Black Panther. And it inspired a generation. And it's going to continue to inspire a generation. Chadwick Boseman, to your family, I offer my deepest, sincerest condolences. And to you, my friend, for inspiring so many people in the Marvel Universe. And so now we can say goodnight to the Marvel Universe because it needs to heal. And we'll be back after these messages because we've got a lot more of the 21st century to dive into. 
Here we go. Film in the 21st century. Dr. Zeus podcast. Welcome back to the Dr. Zeus podcast. The 21st century in film. It continues. It continues with such movies as The Revenant, which brought Leonardo DiCaprio his long sought after Academy Award. Julianne Moore was finally an Oscar bride. It just kept getting better. And then in 2017, something monumental happened. A movie called Moonlight won Best Picture. It was about LGBT African-American men and women. It made history. Unfortunately, there was a moment that we will not forget is when La La Land was called as the winner falsely. And then that moment changed forever when the producers of La La Land said, Moonlight, you won Best Picture. I watched Moonlight that week. It was heartbreaking. It was beautiful. It was poignant. It was like watching a Shakespearean tragedy. And you had this character who goes three different acts like a Shakespearean tragedy only to find himself back to the one person that he truly loved and truly felt comfortable with. I'm not going to talk about La La Land because my thoughts on La La Land are... The 21st century also saw the first Oscar nomination ever of character actor Gary Oldman, who had been long overdue. And then in 2018, Gary Oldman won an Academy Award for playing Winston Churchill in The Darkest Hour. That same year, nominated which also dealt with the war, the Second World War, Dunkirk. A visually stunning, character-driven, ensemble film about the Second World War. It just continues. In 2018, I mean 2019, the movie 1917, about the First World War, was released. It was a beautiful, heartbreaking film, Based on a true story told to the director, Sam Mendes, who is best known for directing American Beauty. American Beauty started off the 21st century. Alan Ball, creator of Six Feet Under, had written American Beauty, this dark comedy about a man and wife rippling with their marriage, which is disintegrating. It was a moment was truly a moment. You had movies like Girl with a Pearl Earring, Lost in Translation, which gave us Scarlett Johansson, who would soon join the Marvel Universe. You look back upon that, you think, ah, that was the beginning. That also gave us the first Oscar nomination for Bill Murray. Bill Murray, an SNL alumni. The 21st century has been filled with such great moments in film. And this year, a historic moment happened at the Academy Awards when the movie Parasite, the first ever 
foreign language film won Best Picture. And its director won Best Director. It was truly a moment. It doesn't hurt that Joker's Joaquin Phoenix won an Academy Award and gave an amazing speech. The 21st century of film, superheroes, villains, dramas, comedies, LGBT, inclusion, black comedy, dark comedy, films like Get Out, films like Us, sequels, 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 the Indiana Jones sequel in 2008, the fourth installment, or as I like to call it, tying up loose ends, The Force Awakens in 2015. Star Wars universe comes back only to tragically be cut down with the death of Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia. The 21st century has had many twists and bends and turns within the context of film. It's been interesting, it's been inclusive, and it's been truly an experience. Documentaries about Amy Winehouse, documentaries about James Baldwin, Nina Simone and now films going to Netflix streaming Martin Scorsese released his movie The Irishman briefly in theaters and then on Netflix it is a new age of film now during COVID you can stream a film You can watch it in the privacy of your home. That's what film does. It connects us. It connects us and it changes us. Just like in the movie Black Panther. Black Panther became the first ever superhero driven movie. To be nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. And while it didn't win. It was a moment. And so the 21st century is continuous. We are in 2020. We are dealing with a pandemic. Everyone is watching movies in the privacy of their home. I've watched many films. At the beginning of the pandemic, I decided to watch a movie, which I had rented because of the death of the late... Um, his name escapes me. Isn't that sad? You know, when you're doing shows like this, it's always good to have a pad and pen. Um, But yes, I had rented the movie The Seventh Seal with Max von Sydow. And it was a moment. It was a moment because here was a pandemic and The Seventh Seal is about the plague. And two knights who have come from battle only to witness death who wants to play chess. It is a moment. It's not the 21st century, but that moment has been copied and pasted so many times in such films as Bill and Ted, which is back, strangely. Now you can rent it for a very high price. And that's the other thing of the 21st century is you don't always have to pay for your films. You can find them anywhere and everywhere because it shouldn't have to be that you're going to rent 
a movie like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure for $30. Or Mulan on the streaming of Disney+. Plus. I understand everyone wants to get paid, but come on, that is bullshit. So the 21st century in film, is it streaming? Is it at the theaters? The 21st century film brought us a lot of sequels, unnecessary ones, trilogies, 40 years or 39 years to the day. Dr. Sleep, the sequel to The Shining. And very rarely did Stephen King ever write sequels. And it really tied up a lot of loose ends and gave us a new story. Halloween came back. Jamie Lee Curtis. And now there's going to be another one. You know, it's the 21st century that brings these reboots. Reimagined experiences of films that we love. Characters that we love. That we identify with. And here at the Dr. Zeus Podcast, I'm all in. I love films. I love films. I love classic films the most so. And that's why I dedicated it yesterday. There's a passion and a reverence in those classic films that is not alive today. But unlike those classic films, the films of the 21st century are about inclusion. They're about a new beginning. And so it it is truly an awesome experience to be alive in this era where you can actually make your own film on a smartphone. You don't have to go to film school. And tonight I'm going to end this series by talking about an icon who began in 1992, Reservoir Dogs. 1994, Pulp Fiction, which changed how we speak in film forever. My late professor would often tell me how imaginative Pulp Fiction was because we weren't talking like that yet in film. The 21st century, Kill Bill 1 and 2. We had just come off 9-11, which devastated the world and this country. And Americans were looking for revenge. Quentin Tarantino gave it to us with The Bride. In Kill Bill 1 and 2. He continued this with Inglorious Bastards in 2009. He then continued it even more with Django Unchained in 2012. The Hateful Eight in 2015. If it's Quentin Tarantino, you're going to get it. What's the, be- the beauty of Quentin Tarantino since the beginning has been an inclusive cast, a diverse cast, an array of characters that you're going to remember forever. And of course, don't forget that soundtrack, that score. And this year we lost an icon of scores. He won his only Academy Award for his score of The Hateful Eight. And then is Ennio Morricone. To think that Ennio Morricone, who was making film scores for years, ended his career by making film scores for Quentin Tarantino. That is truly an amazing experience. To think of what he did with the Spaghetti Westerns and then to bring it into the 21st century. There is a pivotal moment in the film Kill Bill, Volume 1. The fight between the bride and Oren Ishii. That moment is 
It's along the lines of a Mexican standoff. The music builds of Death Rides a Horse by Ennio Morricone. And then the bride cuts off Sophie's arm. And boom, you're in full thrust of the Deadly 88. And then we go to Kill Bill Volume 2. More on Ennio Morricone. It doesn't get any better than that. And so the 21st century has given us these characters. It's brought back many people. Think of Bruce Stern, who was in Tarantino movie. Was also in the movie Nebraska. Received his first ever Best Actor Academy Award nomination. For a man who thinks he has won a million dollars. And his son knows the truth. And he wants to continue following his father. To show him that he didn't win a million dollars. But he won his family back. And that is the 21st century in film. Good evening. It's been the Dr. Seuss Podcast. And as always, unpleasant dreams. Thank you.